Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. God designed us to live socially and enjoy each other's company, but not to live alone in isolation. That's why he gave Adam a companion. And today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares the good news that God still offers companionship. From the series, What Are You Afraid Of? Here's David to introduce the encouraging conclusion of his message, Disconnection, the fear of being alone. And thank you for joining us today. We are so excited to have you along as we continue our discussion of the whole issue of hope. Hope in a Scary World. That's, by the way, the name of the resource for the month here on Turning Point. We have a beautiful little book called Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World, and we'd love to send that to you uh, as we conclude this second week in the month of March. We just tell you that the way you get this is to send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of March. We do encourage you to do your best, make your gift the best it can be, and when you send it, Simply ask for the book on hope, and uh, we'll have it ready to ship to you as soon as we get your request. You'll have it before the series is over, and you'll have it to review and to put into your resource library, not only for yourself, but for those you love who may be needing a little uh, encouragement right now, maybe some hope. That book is available to you today for a gift of any size. We also are uh, very excited to tell you about a magazine that we publish. We don't talk nearly as much about that as we should. Uh, that magazine now is mailed out to over 450,000 families. And uh, many people get the devotional content from the magazine just uh, in their mailbox every day, in their email box. I don't know how many people are doing that, but hundreds of thousands of people are getting the devotional content. You can get the magazine delivered to your home, or you can get the devotional content delivered to your email box, or you can get both. But you have to let us know. Use the email interaction devices that are available to you from Turning Point and make sure you get a copy of the next magazine. You'll not want to miss any issues going forward. Right now, let's get started with um, part two of The Fear of Being Alone as we open our Bibles together. What clues can we figure out from this passage? And I'm pretty excited about this because it's interesting to me that this book we call our Bible is one of the most practical books you will ever read. And if you just read it carefully, you will find things there that just amaze you. Now, in this passage of Scripture, we have painted the picture of where Paul is. 
Now let's notice what he did about his situation. And in doing this, we discover four things about being disconnected that we can transfer into our own lives. In verses 9, 11, and 21, we learn that Paul is putting out an alert. He is saying, we need companionship when we're alone. Listen to his words. Be diligent to come to me, Timothy. Come quickly. Get Mark and bring him with you. Verse 21, do your utmost to get here before winter. Paul is considered, as I've mentioned, by most scholars to be the greatest man to have walked on this earth apart from Christ. But here he is, disconnected and alone, and begging his friends to come to him and to come quickly. Paul encouraged Timothy to bring Mark with him, the same Mark who had also once deserted Paul, but had now been restored. Paul missed him and wanted to see him again. Most of all, Paul wanted to be with Timothy, and he urges him to come quickly, and he says, get here before winter, because Paul knew that he would not survive the winter, and that once winter came, Timothy would not be able to get through to him. I bring this up only because I've run into more people in my life as a pastor than you can imagine who say pious things like this, oh, pastor, I don't need anybody. I just have God. That's not true. You do need people. God does his best work through people. And God has designed men and women that we have fellowship with one another. And he requires us to be in relationships with others so that we can grow and so that we can be prepared to face the challenges of life. It is true that we need moments of solitude But God has not created us to live life by ourselves. It is not good that man should be alone. And Paul recognizes this, and he cries out for his companions. He's unwilling to spend these last days all by himself with just Luke as his companion. And he says, Timothy, I want you to get here as quickly as you can. Bring Mark with you and try to get here before winter. The Bible is filled with reminders of the truth that people need people. And here in our church, we are discovering that one of the greatest pathways to spiritual growth is through small groups. The reason why we are so given to this wonderful, wonderful methodology is that it brings people together in small groups where they can be an encouragement to one another and help one another through the vicissitudes of life. It is a hard thing, this life that we live. And it was not meant to be done alone. If you're here today and you're one of those 27% who has a one-person household, I'm not picking on you. I'm saying, be a friend and you will find a friend. Get in a small group. Find a way to connect with others And you will find that your mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical health will take a step upward toward where it ought to be. So Paul reaches out, first of all, and he asks for companionship. And then notice, verse 13, he says, 
I need you to bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. Not only do we need companionship, we need compassion. Isn't it true that when we are ministering to those who are alone, it's not just about being with them. It's about noticing what their needs are and trying to meet them. And here's Paul. Listen to me. Here's where he is. He's in this prison, this cold prison with just his undergarments on, and winter is coming, and he knows he cannot survive this winter if he doesn't have some warm clothing. So he asks for his cloak. We don't use that word in our culture today, but it is the word that we would use to describe our overcoat. Paul was in Rome, and it was going to get cold, and this cloak was like a feed sack made out of very heavy material with a hole cut in the top, and you just kind of put it down over your body, and it was the way people kept warm in the winter. Paul wants his cloak. It's interesting that if you read history, 15 centuries after Paul's experience in Rome, William Tyndall, the great Bible translator, had a similar experience in Belgium while he was in prison. And I found this letter written in 1535. He wrote this letter to the governor of the castle where he was in prison. Listen to these words and see if they don't sound familiar. Tyndall wrote, I entreat your lordship that I must remain here for the winter. You would beg the commissary to be so kind as to send me from the things of mine which he has a warmer cap I feel painfully cold in my head. Also a warmer cloak, for the cloak I have is very thin. Also he has a woolen shirt of mine if he will send it. Isn't it interesting that in the Bible, even these little simple practical things jump out at us when we read them. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that our first duty as a Christian is to listen to one another, but our second duty is that of active helpfulness. And that is that we are to learn what others need and we're to literally and simply assist them in trifling external things. Whenever we're in a world that is filled with loneliness, all we have to do is look around and we see every illustration of it you can imagine. Somebody you know today is alone and they need some help. Maybe you need to take a pie to them or some cookies or take them to dinner or whatever But it's not just being with somebody, it's being with somebody and caring about that person when you're with them. Thirdly, in the same context, we read that we need courage. Notice verse 13, Paul says to Timothy, when you come, bring the books, especially the parchments. Paul mentioned to Timothy his desire for the books and especially the parchments which were animal skin, precious vellum codices. And the difference between the two was probably that the books were made of papyrus and these rolls could have included any number of things like Paul's Roman citizenship papers or correspondence. Some people think it was just extra writing space for Paul to continue his writing because you do know he wrote epistles from prison. That's why we have the prison epistles. And the parchments were probably Paul's copies of the Old Testament scriptures and maybe some of the writings of Jesus. When Paul was isolated, he said, would you please bring me my books? If you are a book lover like I am, you get this. If I'm going to have to be alone, at least give me my books and especially the book, the Bible. Something happens when you are consigned to loneliness, whether it's in the hospital or for some other reason, and uh, you are able to have an opportunity of protracted study and meditation. I say this to people, and they look at me like they don't know what I'm talking about. 
So let me ask this question. Have you ever gotten lost in the Bible? I know some of you get lost regularly in the Bible when I tell you to turn to a place, but I'm not talking about that lostness. I'm talking about getting lost in the Scripture where you just get into the Word of God, and before you know it, time has elapsed and you aren't even aware of it. When I was going through my bout with cancer years ago, some of you know I was preaching during most of the time I was in treatment. And if you ever have had that disease or been around somebody that does, it's kind of like background noise in your head. You can try to think about other things, but it's pretty hard to keep from thinking about that. And sometimes I would get to my desk and I knew I had to get a message ready for church and all I could think about was, did my scan go all right? Is something going to be okay? And what, you know. And I would just have to get in my chair and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to get over this hump. Some days I had to just take my pen and start writing out the scripture to prime the pump. <laughs> but I want to tell you something, friends. When you get over the hurdle and you get engaged... You can lose yourself in the study of the Word of God. It's like an island of joy in the midst of the challenges. I can see Paul in the few hours of light that he had from the opening in his cell, pouring over the words of Jesus and the scriptures of the Old Testament, and in the midst of his dire circumstances, finding joy in the truth of God. And by the way, when you do that, if you do it seriously, you'll start bumping into scriptures that you have forgotten about. For instance, how's this one? Psalm 27:10. When my father and my mother have forsaken me, then the Lord will take care of me. Or Hebrews 13:5 and 6, which is a quotation from the Old Testament which Paul no doubt had. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. When we are disconnected, we need companionship. And we need compassion. And we need courage from the Word of God. But here's the pinnacle of what we need. We need Christ. And notice what Paul says in verses 17 and 18. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Paul said, yes, I've been deserted by all my friends. Demas has forsaken me. Alexander's against me. All these other people have left me. I'm here alone with Luke, but I want to tell you something. I'm not alone. When I stood before Caesar and everyone had gotten out of the territory, the Lord Jesus Christ was with me. Some people believe Jesus actually showed up personally and was standing there in the courtroom with Paul. But whether he was or not, he was there. And he will be there for us when we cry out to him in our moments of loneliness. Jesus himself experienced this very thing when he realized that his disciples had run out on him. We read his words in John 16, 32. He says, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Here's what I want you to know, men and women today. However alone you may feel, you are never alone if you're a Christian. 
Almighty God is with you. His Spirit indwells you. And His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is with you every moment. You say, well, I'm not aware of it. Do you know how you can become aware of it? When you study the Word of God and you begin to hear the Word of God, you become aware of the presence of God in your life. That's how it works. As I have meditated on the challenges of being disconnected, one day I was sitting in my study and it suddenly dawned on me, disconnection is the title of life. All of life is about disconnection. Did you know that? For instance, we start life out in the safe, cozy womb of our mother. And then one day, we are disconnected and thrust out into the world. And then we're at home for a few years with the attention of our parents and the absolutely wonderful, uninterrupted love of our mother. And then somewhere in those early years, we began the long process of disconnection. First, it's preschool for a few hours each week. And then it's kindergarten for a half a day. And then the day that is dreaded by all mothers, the day when their little one becomes a full-time first-grade student and is now spending more meaningful time with someone else than with them. And then the middle school and high school days arrive, and it's not just the school hours that disconnect us from our children. It's all of the social and physical activities that separate us. And some weeks, I remember, it seems like we hardly saw our children. But for me, the hardest disconnection of all was when my children left to go to school on the other side of the world, it seemed like to me. They all went to school on the East Coast. I remember the day that Daniel and David Beezer got in a truck at 3 o'clock in the morning and rolled out of my driveway to go to Liberty University. After they were gone, I ended up spending most of the night in tears. I could not believe this had happened to me. I mean, you spend all this time caring for these kids, and just when they figure it out, they leave. And they go away. (laughs) If it's all right with you, I won't talk about that anymore because it's very painful to remember that. And then comes marriage. And our children actually follow the biblical mandate. You know what it is? Leave father and mother. That's what it says in the Bible. So unfair. (laughs) It's never quite the same after that, is it? Someone more important takes over in our child's life, and that is as it should be, but it sure qualifies as a disconnection. By the way, having said all this, we should celebrate marriage. It's the greatest thing in this day and age. It's hard on us as parents, but it's a great thing, isn't it? Marriage is the best thing of all. But it is different when our kids get married, and I'm so blessed to have all my children here close at hand and get to see almost all of them every week. So we have this wonderful fellowship, and they're our best friends now, and that's the way it usually is. After marriage, things go along for a while, and then somewhere down the end of the road, there is what we know as the separation of death. That's always so hard. I remember my mom and dad telling me that they were going to move out of the house that we had grown up in, and I was very upset with them for that because it was a favorite place for me to come home to, And one day I just really pressed my father 
And I said, Dad, I don't get it. Why are you moving out? He said, well, David, we've had so many wonderful memories in this place. And we know that one of these days, one of us is going to move out. So we decided to move out together. And they moved out together into a place that wasn't filled with so much memory. I still haven't forgiven them for it, but they did it. (laughs) Death is a terrible separation. There's nothing like it. There's no way to describe that separation. And then, of course, there's one other final separation I need to tell you about. I just want to tell you about this because this is one you do not want to experience. The Bible says that if we go through all of life and we do not receive Jesus Christ during our lifetime, that after death we will be totally and forever and irretrievably separated from God. Who would ever want to spend eternity separated from God? But the Bible says if we don't accept God's plan through Jesus Christ, we will spend eternity apart from God. That is a separation I would not want to experience, and I do not want you to experience it either. Do you remember the comment we made at the beginning that the first thing God was not pleased with was that man was alone. He said, it is not good that man shall be alone. And Adam and Eve had to be alone even after they were together because of their sin. They were together as husband and wife, and then they sinned, and they were cut off from God, and they were separated because of their sin. And the disconnection of the Garden of Eden ultimately led to another more profound disconnection that took place when Jesus died on the cross. And we hear him on the cross crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like Timothy, who was forsaken by his friends, Jesus was forsaken by his God. But the purpose of the forsakenness of Jesus was so that you and I would not have to stay disconnected from God because we are sinners and we have nothing to offer to God in ourselves. We are sentenced to death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's disconnection. But God came here and sent his son Jesus to the cross and when Jesus went to the cross, he suffered our disconnection for us so that we could be connected with God forever. And because he died on the cross and paid the penalty for all of our sin, yours and mine, the sin of everyone in the world, and because he was the infinite son of God, his death was an infinite death, equal to the death for everyone. Now he comes to us and says, you are disconnected from the Father But I have come to build a bridge between you and the Father, and that bridge is the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you will walk over that bridge by faith and put your trust in my Son, Jesus Christ, you will never, ever, ever have to be disconnected again. And many of us in our lives, isn't that true? And if you have never connected with God through Jesus Christ. This is a moment to do that. You don't want to be disconnected from God. You may experience some difficult disconnections in this world, but the most important thing is that you're connected to God. And He has offered you His plan. His plan is simple. Put your trust in my Son, Jesus, who died for your sin, and you can be forever 
connected to the Father. Will you do that today? Is there any reason why you want to go on being a solitary figure in a world that was meant to be joined together? If you will put your trust in Him today, you can know Him in a personal way. You can do that today, right where you are. You don't have to wait. You can do it today. I encourage you, get connected to God today. Amen. You know, uh, I talk always about the Lord Jesus Christ being our Savior, and He is indeed that. He's our Savior and Lord. We honor Him first and foremost for all of that. But you know, during these last uh, weeks and months, I've also been very, uh, very attuned to the fact that He's also our friend. During these days when there have been moments of isolation, and, and certainly for me, many moments when I didn't know what to do next, the friendship of the Lord Jesus is really special to know that you have a friend who understands what's going on in your heart. And even though you may not always express in the proper way what's happening, he hears you, he filters it, he helps you, he guides you, he directs you. Quite often you find him again speaking to you from his word. I hope you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's where it all begins. But let me tell you, he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's what the scripture says. And you need his friendship now more than ever before. Well, we come to the weekend uh, as we get to the end of this program, and I want to encourage you to go to church. Uh, That has a different sound to me than it's ever had before, because some of the churches that I want you to go to aren't open yet, but many of them are. And here in California, they've lessened some of the restrictions. We're back going to church like we always did. And um, I hope you're in a place where you can get to church because that is really one of the keys to helping you get through this time. I don't know how to explain it, but you've been without it. Go back now and find out what happens when you're in a room with other Christ followers listening to the Word of God and being built up in your faith. It will make a difference. Why don't you find out this weekend? And we'll see you right here on Monday. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We'd love to know how Turning Point is touching your life. So please write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta BC, V4L 2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new book, Hope, Living Fearlessly in a Scary World. Stop letting fear hold you back. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries for instant access to our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, What Are You Afraid Of? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. 
I once read that God made it easier for parents to release their children into the world by inventing the teen years. Yes, it's true, adolescence is a challenging time for children and parents alike. But so is childbirth. And adolescence for teens is like being born into a strange new world of emotions and expectations. Believe it or not, Jesus was a teenager once. In the Gospel of Luke, we get a quick glimpse of what he was like at the age of 12, growing in wisdom and stature. That's what all parents want for their teens, and we parents can help by being their biggest encouragers. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's way to parent on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.